Now, for this morning, I asked that, that uh, Cindy Janeka would come and speak to us. Cindy is a therapist. She is an author. And she is the go-to person for me and other members of the staff when we have questions surrounding mental health, how to help someone. We want references for counselors, therapists that we can refer to. We're always turning to Cindy. She has been... Um, a vital part of our church. She's worked with the youth. She and her husband, Daryl, have been with the youth working there for a long, long time. And y'all have been members, your whole family, members at First Woodway for decades. And so I'm excited to ask her to share with us out of her own experience and also to share what God has taught her through those experiences because she has a word that I think if you're going through hard times, it's going to be helpful to you, good news to you. So, Cindy, would you come on up and thank you so much for agreeing to share this morning. We are so glad to have you. Good morning. Am I on? Are we good? Okay. I'm glad to see this younger group here. That first service, y'all, is all grown-ups. Just all grown-ups. So, these are my people, so that's really good. Um, y'all get the benefit of the fact that I practiced on the first service. So I've kind of whittled it down and kind of did some things that might go better. So um, I'm super delighted to be here. It's an honor for me to get to be asked to speak on um, Care Day. This is a day that is very important to me, very special to me. Um, I was able to serve on a committee under the leadership of Dennis Myers, who is a dear friend of mine, um, when we planned the first Care Day for March 2018. And, you know, the goal and the intention of all of us on that committee and the staff that was so supportive of that was to just engage people in conversation within our church about emotional and mental health. Our church has always just done a fabulous job of helping us grow in our faith and challenging us and holding us accountable. Um, we've even kind of gotten on the, the physical health um, bandwagon too with the gym and everything that we've got going on over there in the Mac. Pickleball is a big thing, I hear. I haven't yet played it. Um, but we also really need to keep working to make emotional and mental health part of our ongoing conversation. Because like these other areas of our life, our spiritual health, our physical health, um, our mental health affects everything that we do. It affects our physical health. It affects our spiritual health. Um, it affects, um, impacts the decisions that we make, you know, the choices that we make. Um, it impacts our relationships, as you know. So it's really important, and I think our church and our culture has come a long way in the last decade of trying to make this, you know, a little bit more of the conversation, but it's something that our church wants to continue to work on, and that's what Care Day is about. And I am a professional counselor, worked with the youth for 28 years, love youth, love you guys, um, and that is where my heart is, and I have um, kids of my own, they're grown now, last one left, left the nest this year. But I want you to know that even though I have this experience and my heart is in ministry, I personally have still really struggled with mental health. I've struggled with depression for various periods of my life, anxiety. Um, I grew up in a family that my two brothers struggled for decades with drugs. And as many of y'all know, that even if you're not the person in the family, in the identified crisis, it's a crisis for the whole family. And so for many, many years, and I, 
you know, that's, that's the environment that I grew up. I didn't want to cause my parents problems. I um, didn't want to tell them that I was hurting. And so I kind of came through that as well. So there, there's just a lot of things. And also my kids, my own kids have really struggled at times with mental health. Um, because I speak and I write books, I always check with my kids first before I include, um, I don't name them in my books, but I'll, you know, ask, can I talk about this situation that we went through or that you went through? And um, if I speak on something, I always, you know, kind of get their permission first as well. So because I was coming today to speak to their church, um, to their people where they grew up, I did kind of make the rounds again, called them all, talked to them and said, you know, would you be okay if I just reference that I've struggled, that y'all have struggled. And unanimously, all of my kids were like, mom, absolutely. Anything that helps anyone, of course you can share it. And then my one son said something I thought was that really blessed me. And he said, mom, if I wasn't okay with you sharing that I've struggled, wouldn't that completely contradict the whole purpose of Care Day, that we all struggle? And I was like, Yes, that's exactly right. So I was so grateful for that and um, grateful that my kids get it. They realize that we all struggle. Um, so as I was kind of thinking through what I wanted to share today, my professional hat was, well, I want to talk to people about anxiety and depression and grief and addiction and, you know, remind them that there's help and there's resources and education. But I also know that that would take a lot more time than we have. Um, and that's a big focus of kind of what our sessions are about this afternoon and evening is to provide that information. So I just really prayed through like, okay, God, what is it that you want me to communicate today in this little bit of time that we have? And God kept impressing three things on my heart over and over. And these are truths that I feel like he wants all of us to know and be reminded. These are not Cindy's truths. These are not First Woodway's truths. These are from scripture. These are God's truths. And the first thing that I want, think that he really wants you to know is that he sees you. God sees you. And I don't know if, if not all of y'all probably, but some of y'all probably have not wanted to be seen. I don't know if you're coming in late to something like class, the professor, don't want to be seen. Um, but also just not want to be seen. Sit in the back, you know. Or I know when I was going through cancer, there were times I wouldn't come to church. Um, it wasn't because I wasn't physically able. It was just I didn't want to be seen. And I think there's times that, there, that we don't want to be seen or we want to be seen, but we feel like no one sees us. But God always sees you. He sees you, he knows your heart, and he knows what you need. You are never alone and you are never unseen by the God who created you. Jesus' ministry was all about seeing people. Okay, he was all about helping people in ways that they didn't even realize they needed help. Um, but when you think about the people that needed to be seen and that felt not worthy, you've got the, um, the woman caught in adultery and sexual sin. You have the outcast, the woman at the well. Um, Jesus came to help the grieving, um, his own mother at the cross. Um, the criminal, criminals right? One of his, his last conversation with someone on the cross was with criminals. So God comes wherever we are and finds us and sees us. I was at um, Passion City, D.C. and heard Ben Stewart speak in January, and I love something he said. He said, God doesn't leave us in our suffering or our sin. He comes to get us. And that just stuck with me. I love that. 
And that's what he did with Jesus. He came to get us and get us to be in a relationship with him by sending Jesus so that we could have that relationship. And he's continuing to come get us in whatever we're dealing with today. Um, there's a great story um, in Luke of Jesus seeing someone who didn't want to be seen. Um, we went to Israel a year ago today. We were actually in Israel. And one of my favorite things that we saw was this, it's this chapel in this, the town of Magdala, right on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Um, and at the, on the bottom level of that chapel is called the en- Encounter Chapel. Um, and it's amazing. It's got this first century floor. Those are literally the floors of the Magdala Marketplace back in the day of Jesus. Super cool. But when you walk in that chapel, you don't even notice the floors. You're just captivated by this, this beautiful painting that's almost the entire length of the space. And it is a wonderful depiction of Jesus' encounter with someone who needed to be seen. Um, it's in Luke chapter 8. And it says, as Jesus was on his way to perform another miracle, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. So you've got a lady who's bleeding for 12 years and was desperate for help. It said nobody could heal her. It didn't say her one family doctor couldn't heal her. Like nobody could heal her. And if you're familiar with kind of the culture at that time, someone who is afflicted with a physical ailment, especially chronically like that, it was often associated with them being living in sin. So people would judge her and think, well, you're living sinfully. That's why you're struggling with this ailment, which we know is not true. And we know that's not what Jesus said. Um, But that's how people were treated as outcasts. Um, So she desperately needed help and healing. And she was so desperate for it that if you looked at that picture, she's down on the ground level to touch Jesus' garment. She's not walking through the crowd like trying to get to him. She doesn't even want to be seen. She's crawling on the ground and she just touches the edge of his garment. And that's amazing because she pursued Jesus. It's like Art said, and all the conversation we have this morning, this afternoon about mental health and emotional health, Jesus is ultimately the answer. And she knew that and she pursued him. Um, But the great thing about this is that's not where the story ends. If you go on, Jesus says, who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, master, the people are crowding around and pressing against you. Like, what a silly question. Um, But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had instantly been healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Because see, she just went to Jesus because she wanted to stop bleeding. But Jesus knew her heart and knew her and knew what she needed. And he knew that she also needed emotional healing. She needed peace. And not only that, like he wanted to elevate her, get her up off the ground and in front of the people, bless her in front of everyone. So he knew how people viewed her and he wanted to redeem that. And he wanted to take that and lift her up. And it is a beautiful story of what God God does in our lives over and over again. He sees us and he knows what we need better than we know what we need. 
There are so many times we pray that we want something and God knows what we want more. You know, when you're going to college, getting ready to go to college, in college, like, oh God, please help me get in that school. Then you don't get in the school. So you get into another and then you're like, thank you, God, you did not let me into that other school, right? It's like God always knows what we need way better than we know what we need. And that's what Jesus was showing us in this person's life. Another thing that God really wants us to understand is that he is redeeming our pain. God is redeeming your pain right now and whatever you're going through. My first story of redemption that I recall was when I was seven and professed my faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus came and he saved me. He's my Lord and Savior and God redeemed my sin and I'm gonna get to spend eternity in heaven and that is awesome. But God's redeeming in my life was only starting there. Everything I've gone through, every hardship I've gone through in my life or the ones I've seen my kids go through, God has shown me that he is and will continue to redeem that pain. And it's true for every one of us. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah says that God said in his words, I have come to redeem you. So that's something God declares about himself. And if God declares about himself something about himself in scripture, you better just get on board and believe it because that's what we go to. And like, for instance, um, growing up in the family that struggled, my family, that is the reason I'm a counselor. I'm a counselor because I was trying to comprehend what I was dealing with and understand my own emotions. And I am a counselor in particular whose heart is really toward youth because those were my hardest years. And I wanted to not be seen and I lived a very lonely life and part of, my, part of my life, I had lots of friends, but the struggles were very lonely. So God redeemed that by bringing me out of it, but also even in it, because there were people in it that would come into my life and just bless me in ways that they don't even know. There are times I've sent people emails or handwritten letters and say, you know, you don't even know how God was redeeming my pain by what your role is in my life. And y'all, God redeeming your pain looks different for all of us. Not everybody's gonna write books. Not everybody's gonna speak. But God redeems your pain when you know that the person sitting next to you is struggling or having a hard day and you give them a hug because you understand how that feels. Or somebody's kids are struggling or they're struggling, someone's struggling in their marriage and you reach out to them and tell them that you're praying for them. And anytime you use what you've been through or what you are going through in the moment to help someone else, that is God already redeeming that pain and suffering. But we have to put ourselves in a place to see that. And we have to be open to what God is doing because we can live in our misery or live in our suffering, or we, we can look for what God is doing in it. And that's what gives us hope to keep going. Um, I had cancer when I was a young mom, had little kids, and my journey was not near as hard as a lot of people's, but those 18 months were really hard for me and for my family. But out of that, in, in that, I was writing and journaling, which I'd never written or journaled before, so I don't know what possessed me except God. Um, but out of that came a book 
that I get to use to give to other people. Um, Courtney and I go and speak a lot about it. Just last Thursday night, we were in Dallas at a cancer survivor event speaking. And God has used that in ways I never dreamed having cancer would bring the blessings in my life that it did. So whatever you're going through, I'm gonna say it again, God is redeeming your pain and there is hope in that. The third thing that I really want you to hear today is that God wants you to trust him. And he doesn't need you to trust him for him, but he's he's the God of the universe and he doesn't need you to trust him for him. He knows we need to trust him. You know that pain and suffering that you're going through, God wants to take it from you. You know that worry that you have about your kids or your parents who are aging, God wants to take it from you. Are the loss that you're experiencing, God wants to take that. But y'all, he's not gonna take something we're not giving to him. But we have to trust him to give him our pain and suffering. And the reason we can trust him is because he is who he declares to be in scripture. So you think about it. If I, if somebody wanted to keep my kids, somebody I met out here, super nice person, you look nice, and my kids were little, I just like need to know a little bit more about you. I need to know why I can trust you. I need to know where are you taking them? What's your house like? You know, does anybody know you? But here we are told over and over in scripture and the songs we sing, people tell us we know, God says, trust me, trust me, trust me. And so, I mean, I know I trusted God with a lot of things in my life, but I went through a three-year journey of God going, we're gonna really refine that. I still don't have it down, but boy, what I've learned about trusting God has completely changed me. And I'm, I don't overstate that. But what I learned is I trust God because now I know better who he is. Because see, when I worry about my kids who live halfway across the country and I can't be with them, I remind myself God is sovereign, God is there, God loves them more than I do, God is faithful, God is good, God has written their story. Like all these things come to my mind about why I can entrust my kids' lives to God. So we have to remember who God is in order to place our trust in him because that's that's who wants to hold us and carry us and carry our pain. Um, But we have to learn what that looks like in our lives. So as you look at all of these things, you know, we know that God sees us. He absolutely sees us. He is redeeming our pain. Um, He wants us to trust him. So what does that mean for us as a church? Like as a church, what do we do with that? And there's a couple of things. First of all, um, if we want people to know that God sees them, we need to see them. Because we are God's kingdom on earth. The body of believers is God's kingdom on earth. And we're supposed to be the eyes and the ears and the hands and the feet of Jesus. And so we need to see people. We need to see the people around us that are hurting, somebody that might need a hug. Somebody told me that they visited our church and it was so wonderful because they had five or six people say hi to them that didn't even know them. And you know, sometimes we don't say hi to people because we're like, well, I don't know them. Oh, but I know them. What about the person that comes through our doors that doesn't know anybody? So we should be saying hi to everybody. 
And if our little bulletin, our little piece of paper about Care Day, those statistics, you know, they say five, one in five or six people are hurting. So if you think about it, if you look at the two people in front of you and two people behind you and one on each side of you, statistically, someone within your arm's reach needs something. It just might be a high. Or, hey, would you like to sit here next to me? Or, I'm glad you're here today. Or it might be someone that you know that you could send a text to and let them know you're praying for them. But we have to get our eyes ready to see that. We have to ask God to show us how we can help the people around us. And if God is a God of redeeming our pain, then his church needs to be a place for those redemption stories. We need to be creating a safe place for people to come and share their burdens. I grew up in church. My whole family grew up in church, except for my brothers at those period of time. They're doing great now. They're wonderful men. But, um, but I will tell you that my mom, I remember her telling me she could never share really her heart and the tragedy going on in our family with her Sunday school class. And I know that was decades ago, and we've come a long way. But I know for a fact there are people that don't feel comfortable really sharing their heartache with others, even in the church. And so we just have to keep kind of trying to find a way to welcome that and make people feel safe and, and them know that we want to hear that. And one way we encourage people to talk about what God's doing in their life in the middle of their suffering is to share it ourselves of things that God's even done in the past in our suffering, because that gives them hope and that gives them encouragement. Um, the guys from England are here. I don't know where they are, but Dave and John, or I mean, Dave and Mark are staying at our house and they had given, they were sharing with us the other day about their church back in England. And it was a beautiful story of God redeeming us in our pain and providing that redemption. They were just sharing about the pandemic, who, as we all know, was just, it just was absolutely crushing for people all over the world, not just here. Um, and they were both telling us that even though there were people individually in their congregation, obviously were suffering, and we all had to kind of try to find new ways to do ministry, just like our church did, that God really used that time as a time of healing in their church because there were, there were a lot of difficulties their church was facing, and so they needed to kind of all go out and just have some time for God to speak to them and heal them. And I thought, wow, the worldwide pandemic, thousands and thousands and thousands of lives are lost, yet Dave and Mark were able to see in the time how God was using that and redeeming that suffering for good in their church. And that is gonna continue, but we have to share those stories. But that's an example of them sharing that story was so encouraging to me to hear. Um, and then if we want people to trust God and we want to direct people to look to God, we need to be representing that to our fellow members of church, okay? Because we want people to know that God is faithful and God is good and God loves them and you can trust him with whatever you're going through. But sometimes we are the face of Jesus in their lives, and so we need to be able to be that person of compassion and that person of love and that person that reaches out. You know, the Bible says, don't grow weary of doing good. And I think that's really interesting because 
How many times have we been, okay, well, I've already invited them to 737 and they haven't come. Or, well, I've told them we miss them in life group, but they're still not coming. Well, you know what? We need to invite them again. We need to tell them again. We need to reach out again. Um, we need to take another meal if they're still hurting. Um, don't grow tired of, tired of doing good. The other thing that Paul tells us is that we need to carry one another's burdens because that's how we fulfill the law of Christ. But there's two sides to that. We need to be willing to come alongside someone and help carry their burdens. But we also know the people that are burdened. They, we need you to let us know how we can help you. So think about this. When you let us know what you need, people in your church, in your Sunday school, in your group, if you will let us know what you need and we can come alongside you, you're helping us fulfill the law of Christ. That's amazing. You're not being a burden, you know? You're not draining us. Like, you're helping us fulfill the law of Christ. The bottom line in that, y'all, is we gotta take turns. Super basic concept. We have to take turns. There's gonna be times we're in the place of hurting and need help, and then there's the times that we need to be in the place of helping. And you got people that are hurting and still help. But we should always at least be doing one of the other. If this is your season of rest and peace, then you need to be looking around and seeing who might need a hug or who might need a meal or who might be walking in and looking, don't know where to sit. Go sit by them, right? You can have them come sit by you, but better yet, just get up and leave your people and go sit by them if they're already seated. We need our eyes to be focused on seeing people. And we need people to look at us and know that we are reflecting the God of the universe who loves them and cares for them. And we are just one vessel through which he is expressing his love. So I want you to think about that, okay? We are a church. Y'all, we are a fellowship of brokenness. Every one of us sins. Every one of us has faced hard times. And we will again. Jesus says that in scripture. As followers of him, we are going to continue to suffer. So we are a fellowship of brokenness, but we are a fellowship of the redeemed. Okay? What God has done in the past and what God is doing right now. And let's continue to work to be that fellowship of being an expression of God's faithfulness in people's lives and pointing them to him so they know they can trust him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are who you claim to be through scripture, through the life of Christ. God, we need you. And we are so grateful that you are Lord, that you are sovereign, that you are good, that you are compassionate, that you're our healer and you are our refuge. Lord, we know we will spend the rest of our lives trying to comprehend the full picture of who you are, but thank you for what you have revealed to us. And I just pray for our church, Lord. I know we are trying to learn how to better minister to one another and serve each other and love each other. So just please show each of us our small part in that because it is the whole body, Lord, everyone coming together that is the picture of your love and your expression of your love. 
So thank you for this day. Thank you for Care Day um, and the groups and just helping us continue this incredibly important conversation. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.